It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, the U.S. versus China. A rivalry that has been getting tenser and tenser. From concerns about TikTok privacy to the Chinese spy balloon the U.S. shot down after it was allowed to cross America. To that spy facility China has in Cuba. To Taiwan, the self-governing island China claims is its territory. Leading to angry reactions and military exercises. You might remember last year when House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went there to offer American support to Taiwan. Now we talked about all of that with retired four-star General Jack Keane, our Fox News senior strategic analyst, after Secretary of State Antony Blinken visited China last month, holding direct talks with leader Xi Jinping. Though Blinken was unable to get Xi to agree to reopen American and Chinese direct military communications. Our conversation with the general was too long to fit into the Rundown podcast the other day, but we saved the rest, and today we let you hear all of it. And we thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you keep coming back for more. And now General Jack Keane on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is General Jack Keane, a retired four-star general, a Fox News senior strategic analyst and chairman of the Institute for the Study of War as we discuss China after Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit and conversation with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. It's the first time a Secretary of State has gone to China in five years. The meeting came about at the last minute before Blinken left, but it did happen. And we're going to get some reaction to what they discussed. First of all, General, thank you very much for joining us again. Yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you. So your reaction to how it all played out with Secretary Blinken in China and the fact that he got to sit down with leader Xi Jinping, that wasn't what we thought when he went there. Yeah, well, they certainly dangled that visit uh, out there. It was something the administration wanted. And they, very sophomorically, I think, they upstaged Blinken by letting him have to wait to find out within an hour of the meeting that there was actually going to be a meeting and then rush over there to have that 35-minute meeting with President Xi, uh, that kind of upstaging, I think, is really uncalled for, but not too surprising of the regime, given how insecure they are about so many things. Low expectations for this, this is just about having a meeting so there could be others, was really the main driver of it. And also, secondary was to diffuse tension uh, because of the the relationship obviously has deteriorated uh, over time, and particularly uh, since the spy balloon uh, incident. So what, what came out of that is the Chinese are going to meet with the Secretary of Treasury and the Secretary of Commerce, who, by the way, they wanted to meet with uh, before they actually met Blinken. They weren't as interested in seeing Blinken. They wanted to see Commerce and Treasury for obvious reasons in, in dealing with export controls and what they think is about to drop from the administration, and we can get into that if you like. And what Blinken was also pushing is a meeting with the Secretary of Defense to establish some regular communications to be able to manage a crisis if it 
that that developed in terms of misinterpretation and miscalculation. The Chinese wanted no part of that, so they're not going to do that. And and my explanation for that, uh, for our audience, is is that the military is on the front line of the tension in this relationship, and you can see it over the spy balloon. Uh, The military shot it down, and the tension in the Indo-Pacific region, South China Sea, the Taiwan Straits, the East China Sea, and the intercepts that they run against our aircraft and ships and with Taiwan military is obviously much more engaged in the tension of this relationship than any other part of the government. So I think that's why they've they've shut down not wanting to talk to uh, our Secretary of Defense. I do think, while there's no agreement, uh, I, I think it's really certain that probably President Xi and President Biden will meet uh, either in in the fall uh, when the Asian Pacific Conference takes place in San Francisco or uh, at the G20 in uh, in India, and likely to happen uh, this year. So yeah. that, in a sense, is uh, is a positive thing uh, uh, coming out of this. Yeah, let me ask you more about the military to military contact between the U.S. and China. How often do our military leaders have a chance to talk directly to the Chinese military or any of our other adversaries? Not much at all. The Indo-Pacific commander, who uh, Admiral uh, Aquilino, a a four-star admiral, uh, who's been in charge of the Indo-Pacific combatant command there for over two years, has never had a conversation with his military counterpart. They won't take the call. Uh, so there's very little uh, interaction whatsoever. But what would they talk about, General? I mean, if they're a rival and, and maybe even an enemy of ours, why would we have a conversation? Well, we want to have the conversation like we did with the Soviet Union to keep the lines of communication open when there is such tension and there's potential mishaps to take place or miscalculation. So you could pick up the phone as a relationship of, of somewhat established uh, that we have uh, w- with other adversaries and and talk to that person and say, look, this is what we're attempting to do. You're, you are absolutely misinterpreting it, you know. Okay. Uh, that, that's kind of the basis, to be able to handle a crisis, uh, knowing full well that we are adversaries and that communication in of, it, in of itself by senior military leaders is not going to change. Uh, Chinese policy or U.S. policy. Now, a few weeks ago, we did have, General, an issue at sea. The military had called it unsafe. There was a Chinese warship that went across an American warship's bow only 150 yards away. Our destroyer had to make evasive maneuvers, and then the Chinese uh, warship stayed right there with us. And then There was an incident in May involving a Chinese fighter jet conducting what our military called an unnecessarily aggressive maneuver, intercepting a spy plane in international airspace. This is intentional, right? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. China believes, wrongly, but this is what they're insisting on, uh, they believe the South China Sea, since they militarized it with their islands that they built out there, is sovereign uh, Chinese uh, waters. They believe the East China Sea and the Taiwan Straits are sovereign Chinese waterways. They believe they own the waterways in the Indo-Pacific region. There's no basis for that in the international community. Nobody accepts that. 
But they use that as leverage to intimidate our allies in the region. This is Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, Vietnam, etc. On a regular basis, we give a lot of emphasis to uh, the intimidation that takes place with us, certainly, as we are sailing through those waterways or flying airplanes and international airspace. China resents that and really wants... What's what's the objective here? What are they trying to do? They're trying to wear us down and drive us out of the region. This is a region that they want to dominate and control. Yeah, and yeah. They, and that's what they're doing all the time with our allies. Now, the flip side of this is, so audience understands, you got to give some credit here. I don't agree with all the administration's policies when it comes to China. One of the things they've done, they've built on the Trump administration's policy of reaching out to our allies, and they have significantly strengthened it with South Korea, Japan, the Philippines, and Australia. To give me a couple of data points, Japan is doubling their defense budget. Very significant. The Philippines have given up, given us the United States access to four military bases. Three of them are close to Taiwan. Very significant. Australia is permitting us to have rotational air power and ground power in Australia on a regular basis. All of this is a check on China, plus the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia have come together, and we're going to build nuclear-powered submarines for them, and the South Koreans have upped their defense budget as well. All right. So China sees that, and they're, re- they're reacting to that, that there's a coalition forming in the Indo-Pacific region led by the United States against them. So I believe that their aggression going forward is going to continue to increase. We'll see more of these activities, likely not less of them. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. All right. Now, Taiwan, of course, is a huge area of disagreement. They have had military exercises, angry about the the trip that House Speaker Pelosi took over there, angry that the current House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, met with Taiwan's president in the U.S. earlier this year. I want you to hear what Secretary of State Blinken said in his uh, after his meeting with the Chinese leader on Monday in Beijing related to this. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side, we continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. If you're in Taiwan, what do you think of that? He's, he's in China saying we don't support Taiwan's independence, yet we, we may help them militarily. It's, it's a very, to me, it's a very hard relationship to understand. Yeah, this is coveted in the 1979 Taiwan's Relations Act when Jimmy Carter reached out and recognized mainland China diplomatically and severed diplomatic relations with Taiwan in terms of having an embassy. And that act came together and said, China and the United States will maintain stability across the Taiwan Straits. Peace and stability is the intent. And while the United States will support Taiwan with arms and ammunition, the United States left it ambiguous whether we would defend it or not. Implied we would, but not stated. Yeah, President Biden also, recently said that he would defend Taiwan if they were times. attacked. Yeah. He said it four times. Now, the way President Tsai, and full disclosure, I've provided advice to her through a number of years up leading up to COVID, 
the way she has approached this thing of independence, she says, China does not want Taiwan calling for independence. They believe that will re- that, that will force them to take military action. What she says is, we're already an independent democratic state. There's no reason for me to make any appeal to be independent. We already are. That's the kind of language that she uses with her own people. Eighty-plus percent of the Taiwanese people think of themselves, even though their heritage is Chinese and their language is largely Mandarin, they think of themselves as Taiwanese. And so when the language of it, the the word independence is a third rail in this discussion, so our audience can understand. So Blinken is saying we are not calling for Taiwan's independence. And, and you know, the audience is sitting there listening. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's already yeah. a democratic state. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, very hard they, to, yeah, to figure this out. This is, this is all nuanced communication that's going on here. And the reality is it's China who is destabilizing the region. The United States hasn't been aggressive uh, in the region at all. It's China who built the islands and militarized the South China Sea. It's China who's violating Taiwan's airspace and maritime space on a regular basis and does it with Japan. Listen, every single day, China has hundreds of militarized fishing vessels pushing against Vietnam, Malaysia, and the Philippines and driving them out of international fishing zones. When I was in Vietnam dealing with the Minister of Interior, he said, he said, General, every day I have hundreds of these boats driving us away from what is our number one industry in the region. So this is the aggression that China is committing every day to dominate and control the region. And it's laughable for them to say that the United States is the aggressor here. We are not. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of concern that... that that China could try to take Taiwan by force, and there could could be a war in the five, ten-year window in the future. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and why do we have concerns about it? Because China has said that. And believe me, uh, Putin had said the same thing, and we were very dismissive of him. And look what he did. China has said much the same thing. President Xi has said that if there's not reunification with Taiwan, that's another code word, which means that Taiwan would submit voluntarily to reunification, obviously intimidated and pressured and bullied by the China into it. If there's not reunification, in other words, voluntary reunification, then we would have to use force reluctantly to have that reunification. He has said that on more than one, one occasion. So I think it's prudent to believe him, that he would use force. And we have to, we've got a lot of work to do here because our military deterrence has been erosion of our capability due to the 9-11 wars and declining budgets, particularly in the Obama administration. And and the reality is that we're in catch-up here uh, with China in the region. We're the number one global military power on the planet. We've got 388, 84 bases. China has one outside the region. We can project power any place in the world. But when it comes to Taiwan, we're two weeks away from Taiwan, from the west coast of the United States. We're an ocean away from that war. It's off the coast of their country. And we're at a decided military disadvantage. They have more ships, more airplanes, more missiles than we have. The advantage we have is in submarines. So we have to catch up. And we have to have 
we don't have to go platform to platform with them. We we didn't have that with the Soviet Union. They outnumbered us and outgunned us as well. But we had sufficient deterrence, and this is important for our audience to understand. We had sufficient deterrence and capability. When the Soviets looked at us, they said, that cost is too great. And the risk is too great to take this on, and yeah, they never did. China has a much That's better economy than the Soviets, China. right? Doesn't China have a much better economy and economic footing than the Soviet Union ever did? Oh, there's no comparison whatsoever. There, there's economic superpower. I think they're a technology superpower as well as a military superpower. This is the most comprehensive threat the United States has ever faced uh, in its history. And the fact that China is aggressive about this, that they're seeking control and influence, and they that they talk openly about it, we have got to be very serious about dealing with them. How worried should we be about the story we got a couple of weeks ago that China has a military-type spy-type facility in Cuba, what, about 100 miles away from the United States, spying on us. We had the spy balloon earlier this year everyone got worked up about. What about the base or the facility in Cuba? Well, it's been an open-source reporting now, and there's been an update on that initial story that the capability that has been there at least since 2019, and in 2019 they expanded from one spy station to four uh, in Cuba, and they're planning it. It's in the planning stages to establish a training base there, which means that there will be Chinese troops uh, positioned in in Cuba, 100 miles off our coast. So what's actually going on here? Well, I think China, uh, obviously they can monitor our communications by having a listening post there, much as the Soviet Union did for a number of years. They shut theirs down in 2001. So that, that's a possibility. We have a Navy base there in Guantanamo Bay, and there is a potential, obviously, for us to mitigate that risk by obviously doing some things that are classified in terms of disrupting their capability to monitor us. I, I don't know the full details of that, but generally speaking, there is potential for that. But what's really going on here? They know full well we have troops training inside Taiwan, which it incidentally, is 100 miles off the coast of China, and that we have key people visiting there on a regular basis, which causes the China to get very excited about it. So here we have a military establishment 100 miles off the coast of the United States, and they're likely going to put some Chinese troops there. Is that consequential to the security of the United States? I don't believe so at all. Uh, But nonetheless, it's intimidation. You know, it, it's poking us in the eye that we're present 100 miles off the coast, much as you're present 100 miles off our coast. So that's some of the things that are happening here. In terms of our security and, and how successful they're going to be at penetrating U.S. security, I don't believe it would be uh, consequential. Politically, certainly that's what China is looking for. They're very much involved in information and political warfare and trying to undermine the United States, and that's what this is about. General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst. Always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great week. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics, from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.